0: Why don't you stand with me for the reading of the word. He's in college in St. Louis Seminary. Numbers 13 is where we're going today. I do hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We have a fantastic December and an incredible new year coming, a year of restoration and renewal. God's going to be restoring people, renewing them. We're going to welcome them home. God's going to do the rest. It's going to be incredible. Numbers 13, verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once And take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak there. They came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I'd like to preach a message, and I hope I can explain it. But the name of the message is, A Monster is a Monster is a Monster. Say that with me. A monster is a monster is a monster. I want to pray. Father, thank you so much for this reading, for your word, for the scripture, for the message you've laid on my heart. I pray, God, that I could share it and teach it and preach it, Lord, with anointing, with fervency, and that we could hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And for this, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. You may be seated. When I was growing up, KTBS TV, Channel 3, in Shreveport, Louisiana, had what they called the 3.30 movie. It came on right after school. It was always a classic, black and white type film. And during the week of Halloween, they had what they called Monster Week, They showed monster movies, scary movies, horror flicks, not like the modern day ones, but the old school ones, the old black and white ones, you know, freaks of nature, monsters of all kinds, science experiments going awry, and it was always freaky, you know, it freaked me out. Uh, You know some of these names, Frankenstein, Dracula, I don't know why I tried that, but The wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the blob, swamp thing, the giant ant movie. You know, they were always getting into some radiation, these insects, and giant spider movie, giant man movie, giant woman movie, the invisible man The Fly, Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, Vincent Price starred in most of these movies. And each of these monsters was scary in its own way. You remember any of those monsters? They were scary in their own way. I guess if I actually had to face one, I mean, you know, like if they were really real, and I had to face one, it would scare me. But the fear I would fear, uh, feel for one is the same fear I would feel for them all. Because a monster is a monster, is a monster. Some are big, some are small, some are ugly, some are uglier, but they all can take you out, and, and so what difference does their size or shape or looks make? Because a monster is a monster, it's a is a monster. It's like if you jump off a fifty story building or you jump off a hundred story building, what difference does it make? I mean, you're gonna go kersplat splat when you hit the bottom, and it's the same with these monsters. Now, in our reading, you may be asking, how does this tie into your reading, Donovan? Well, I've got I'm going there. The origin, the backstory of our reading, Uh, about this children of Israel spying out the land, it goes like this. When Jacob and his sons moved to Egypt with their families, the Bible says there were about 70 of them. They moved there because of Joseph. And what an amazing story that is. The Lord sent Joseph ahead. When they got to Egypt, they were favored guests of Pharaoh because of Joseph. He literally treated them like royalty. He gave them the best land in all of Egypt, the land of Goshen. When when Jacob and his boys moved to Egypt, we understand they knew how to fight. We saw them in action in the Bible, like in Genesis 34 with the Shechemites and others. And to some extent, they were armed, they had swords, but they were never known as an army. Now, during their time of favor in Egypt, the Israelites quit making swords or buying them from arms dealers, so much so that over time, they were practically disarmed. And when a Pharaoh rose up that did not remember Joseph and was not kind to his descendants the Israelites lost their most favored status and became the most feared in all of the land. They were reduced then by oppression and slavery and any arms they may have had uh, left over were probably confiscated or destroyed. They were a slave group of people, a group of slaves in the middle of Egypt. They were in Egypt for over 400 years and never fought at all. And for at least 100 of those years, they were slaves. Are you with me? And so they didn't have swords and spears and they didn't have arms, meaning by the time of the Exodus, they were totally untrained as soldiers and they didn't have swords and spears. They were totally disarmed. But when they left Egypt under the leadership of Moses, they seemed to have plenty of swords. The story tells us this. And there were over 600,000 men, Israelite men, that left in the Exodus. So that's a whole lot of swords. Where did they get them? They probably got them from the spoils of Egypt. If you'll remember the story, they were told to borrow things from their Egyptian neighbors. They must have borrowed some swords. and, And then not only did they have plenty of swords, they used them. They used them. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have examples of that. We, we see them using swords after they left Egypt, but before they entered the promised land, like in Exodus 17, when they battled the Amalekites. And then in Exodus 32, the Levites were told, take swords and go out and kill the ones who were worshiping the golden calf. In Numbers 21, the Israelites were attacked by the king of Arad. One writer says it was either because he thought they were invading his land or merely because he saw a chance to plunder a virtually defenseless people. In retaliation, the Bible says the Israelites utterly destroyed all the cities in Arad. Again, in Numbers 21, the Israelites requested permission to pass through the land of the Amorites that was ruled by Sihon. Sihon responded by attacking the Israelites The Israelites went to battle, won the battle, took possession of all the land of Sion. The same thing happened with this guy named Og, which we almost named Alexander, Og. He was the king of Bashan. He was a giant, and it depends on the translation of the word. He either had a custom-made sleep number bed or a casket. It depends on the translation, but... If it was a bed or a casket, it was 13 and a half feet long to accommodate this giant of a man. So, these were real battles. These were real challenges. These were real threats. However, technically, these battles were not part of them taking the promised land. They were battles on their way. Everybody say on their way to the promised land. Before they entered the promises God had made to them. Not taking anything away from these battles. I'm certainly not doing that. They were not easy. These enemies were not to be underestimated. But these enemies would pale in comparison to what they would face in Canaan. The Amalekites were vicious The Ahadites were treacherous. The Cyanites were beastly. The Bashanites were bloodthirsty. And Og was a giant's giant. But they were all nothing compared to the intimidation of the enemies that they would face in the actual promised land. We just read the story. They said we were like grasshoppers. There's too many of them. We can't handle them. The Lord had told them, when you enter the promised land, you're going to face seven nations stronger and mightier than you. You can see that in Deuteronomy 7. And while they only faced one giant in the wilderness, there were many giants in the promised land. Now, are you with me? I believe God has put me on an assignment here today for somebody in this house. I want to help somebody today. Somebody needs to understand You think you have entered the fullness of all God has promised you. And you have fought some fights and faced some opponents, some monsters. But the Lord has sent me to tell you, really, you've just been skirting around on the outer edges, the peripheral of what God really has for you. And he sent me to tell you, don't mistake these fights for the fights of the promised land. God's calling on you. He's got a calling on you, a calling on your life, a destiny, if you will, that's greater than just getting out of Egypt and wandering around the outskirts of all that God's promised you, fighting a few battles here and there. God has sent me. To tell you, you've been playing in the shallow end, on the edges of his best, and he's challenging you today to swim out into the deep waters because he's got some greater things for you. He's got a calling on your life. He's got a destiny for you to fulfill. I believe that with all my heart. And don't settle for less than his best. Now, don't get me wrong, the battles that you fought, they've been brutal, the fighting's been fierce, and you could not have been victorious without God's help, but some of you have been settling for life in the little leagues and life in the minor leagues, but God is calling you up To the big leagues, baby. He's asking you, will you dream a little bigger? He's challenging you. Don't stop with just some of his promises. Enter into everything that he's promised you. I'm telling you, the Lord wants to use people in this room in the gifts of the Spirit. God wants to use some people in this room as mighty witnesses of God's healing and deliverance. God wants to use some people. He wants to deliver some people in this room from that addiction. He wants to supply some needs in this room today for some people according to his riches and glory. He wants your lost kids to come back and to get saved. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he shall not depart from it. God wants you to step into all of his promises. Can you give him some praise right now? Don't settle for religion. Don't settle for something shallow. Don't settle for the minor leagues. God's got great things on your life and on my life. Amen. It's easy to see that in others. It's hard to see that on yourself. I find as a pastor, as a preacher... I mean, Harry, I've I, I got a lot of pastor friends. I have a lot of pastor friends that are powerful, anointed, called. And I have no problem seeing them anointed, preaching with the, the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon them and God doing great things through them. And, and sometimes I can easily see that on them, but I have a hard time seeing that on me. And it's the same with you. You can see God doing great things in other people's lives, but it's hard to see it on yourself. I'm telling you, when you enter into that promised land, to the promises God has for you, you're going to face some obstacles, you're going to face some enemies, but the same God that brought you through the wilderness will take you into the promises. Hallelujah. So let's look at this. A monster is a monster is a monster. The opposition that you face in getting to the promised land is certainly nothing to sneeze at. But when you enter the next level into those promises God's made to you, when you begin to taste the fruit like these spies did of the promises God's made to you, you'll face some of the most intimidating enemies of your life. But here's the deal. Think with me for a minute. Here's the logic of this. If an enemy is powerful enough to take you when it's little, what difference, Wallace, does it make if it's big? If one of the enemy can take you, what difference does it make if there's a 1,000? Because a monster is a monster, is a monster. The enemies you faced on your journey so far, could any of those enemies have destroyed you? Let me ask you that. Getting to where you are today, could any of them have wiped you out? Well, of course they could have. But you're still here, right? You made it through, didn't you? You need to be encouraged. The new enemies may be bigger and badder, but they are just as powerful powerless to stop you Paul said he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it God knows how to finish what he starts he is the author and the finisher of your faith he is the Alpha and and the Omega, he knows how to get you started, and he knows how to take you into every promise that he's made to you. Somebody needs to understand today. God is trying to get you to the next level, and you don't need to be intimidated by any devil that comes against you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can you give him some praise right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord took Israel out of Egypt, but he also got them into the promised land. God doesn't just want to get you out of the world. He wants to get you into everything he's promised to you. Even though you're going to face more intense opposition as you enter his promises, the same God who helped you defeat what you could not defeat by yourself on your way to this place will it defeat those enemies that are trying to intimidate you of going where God wants to take you. So don't turn around. Don't stop obeying. Don't stop pushing through. Years ago, I was one of those guys that put up signs that said, I buy houses. I told you about some of my real estate days, and here's another one. I put an ad in the thrifty nickel. Does anybody know what that is? That was back in the day before Craigslist, before Facebook selling stuff. Randy, before the Internet, there was the thrifty nickel. Oh, my God, I love the thrifty nickel. I put an ad in the thrifty nickel, and it said, I buy houses. I put my phone number. I was just a a, a wee lad, but I had a father who had trained me, and, and, I, and I had an aunt who was a banker, thank the Lord. I buy houses, I said. And so I got a phone call one day. Check this out. We were just starting our walk with God. We were following after all we knew. We were hoping and praying and believing and stretching and pushing and believing and just getting to get started in our walk with God. And so put this ad in the Thrifty nickel. I buy houses. And I got a phone call. We were tithing. We were giving offerings when it hurt. We were struggling, man, and I got this phone call, and this, this lady said, I know you buy houses, but would you take one if somebody gave it to you? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, we'll tell, I tried to, you know, restrain my, I didn't want to seem too anxious, you know, I'm like, would well, you don't tell me about the situation, you know, I'd like to analyze this, and on the inside I'm like, Wah! you know, like, yeah, we're going to Western Sizzling, you know, every night this week. Woo! Some of y'all remember that, too. They shut it down in Gonzales, one of my favorites, you know. And so, uh, anyhow, would you take one if we gave it to you? Come to find out they owe some back taxes on it. But I ended up getting this house for paying the back taxes about six or $700. And the way I worked it out was, I sold it before I bought it, and I sold it to another investor just to flip it, basically. And I said, I'll sell it to you for X amount of dollars, and we'll close it on the same day in the same place. So I wrote a check for $700, went in the next room, and closed it with this guy and got a a much bigger check, and, and walked out of that thing, fat and sassy, man, like ready for Western sizzling because because the Lord had blessed us with giving us a house. But here's the deal. That was not the end of the story. Jeff, that's not where my blessing ended. That was not the promises God wanted to lead me into, just to flip a little house and get a situation. God had a call on me, Brother Barber. God had a call on me to move to Maryland and to plant a church up there outside of Baltimore. And so we saw the faithfulness of God with financial enemies and trying to do the best best that we could as a young family and trusting after the Lord. But when it came time to enter into that promise of planting a church in Maryland, we got to the day that we were moving and we were fully committed. Had a U-Haul, had our stuff packed in boxes ready to load up and ready to go. And it didn't have... Uh, uh, much of my budget raised There was a lot missing But we knew we had heard from God And so we stepped out in faith, Dan And we were moving And the day, I'm telling you The day that we were moving I got a phone, call, the day before I got a phone call and it said Donovan, we, we just feel led to do this The Lord's blessed us We did this, we got this And we want to give you this, this offering And it, it was to the tune of almost $20,000 we want to bless you with this in your endeavor to go plant that church. Listen, we had faced financial enemies in, in just living our lives and trying to pay our bills and be a real estate agent and all that stuff. That, those were some giants that were intimidating, but we saw the faithfulness of God. But when it came time to go and step into our promises, we faced even bigger opposition. I didn't realize when we got to Maryland we would end up using the majority of that, that big chunk of money we got just to get into a house because our deal had fallen apart when we got up there. We did have a house up there it was working on, and it had fallen. And we needed much of that money just to make the move. But God was faithful. The same God that took care of our needs in Bozier, took care of our needs in Baltimore because I serve a God. It doesn't matter A monster is a monster is a monster. Don't be intimidated. Don't pull back from what God's called you to do. The same God that brought you this far will take you to the next level. Amen? Made it all the way through. God wants somebody here to know you will go to the next level. Years ago, Francis Frangipane coined the phrase, new level, new devil. I would like to add to that new level, new devil, same God. Same God. If it's a new devil, no surprise to God. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Big devil, little devil, pretty devil, ugly devil. If God is for me, who can be against me? If, if it's one devil or a million devils, who can be against If God is on my side... And God is for me. Who can be against me? New level, new devil, same God. Listen, we grow in this. This is a journey. This is a walk. David did not get on the valley uh, in the valley of Elah and face Goliath and then immediately seize the throne. No, he started on the backside of nowhere as a shepherd. Shepherding sheep, doing what he was supposed to do, being responsible, learning the word, understanding the covenant, walking in the promises when nobody was watching. He's just out there doing what he does. And and a bear came to take some of his sheep. What did David do? He rose up in faith. He ran after that bear and ripped it apart with his bare hands. Later, a lion came along. What did David do? David went after that lion, took it by the beard, pulled its jaw apart. We're talking about incredible what what David did. David didn't do that on his own. The anointing of God was with him to walk him through those battles. But that wasn't his destiny, just killing bears and lions when nobody was watching. God had a stage set up for him at the Valley of Elah that would propel him to that next level. And when he walked onto that stage, brothers and sisters, he was prepared. He had been faithful over the small things and God had set him up to be a ruler over many things. And he walked into that valley of Elah and that old uncircumcised Philistine came walking out, bellowing out. Listen, there were some differences between the lion and the bear and the giant. The, The giant it depends, again, on the translation. Some say the giant was 9 feet tall. That's the accepted uh, height that most scholars use for that. But there are some that will take it. It depends on a cubit. What is a cubit in ancient Israel? It could have been that giant was 10 feet, 11 feet, 12 feet, or like Og of Bashan, 13, 13 and a half feet tall. This was a big big man. It's like up to the ceiling up here. You know, he raises his hands and changes the light bulb, you know, at the very top up here. His head, you know, was as big around as that base cabinet right there. He was a giant. He wasn't just like a big dude. He was a giant. I've got relatives that are seven feet tall. He was at least nine, maybe 10, 11, 12, 13 or more feet tall. So he was a huge, beastly man, bigger than a bear in that era, in that day, at that land, in that land, bigger than a lion, a giant man. So there were differences. Goliath could have taken a lion. Goliath could have taken a bear. But here's another difference, Tammy. The lion and the bear didn't talk. You know, roar. Orrah Goliath said things in a language David could understand. you're nothing but a little boy you nothing to me. I don't know. I just feel like he you know I just feel like he was he was just throwing down some slang. you know what I'm saying. You ain't nothing to me, you just a little boy to me. You're like a little mouse to me. You ain't nothing. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to rip you to shreds, little boy, and I'm going to feed your body to the fowls of the air. You're going to die today, boy. I'm going to show you God ain't nothing. Just speaking words of intimidation as he stepped into his promises, those promises. Enemies. That enemy was speaking. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you today, you face some enemies, but when you step into your promises, you're going to hear voices. That enemy's going to talk to you. You can't do this. You're not good enough for this. Who are you thinking you are? Who are you kidding? You're just playing games. God doesn't care anything about you. He'll try to intimidate you and tell you that you can't have what God's promised you. David talked back. To Goliath and said you hear me my God is on my side I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. I'm the one in charge around here baby because God is with me and he's going to deliver you into my hands David talked back to Goliath and sure enough David faced that enemy down and took his place The lion and the bear were just as deadly as Goliath. But a monster is a monster. Is a monster. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what you are facing now. Just learn from your past. God has prepared you for this moment, for here and now. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You need to make up your mind. I will enter every promise that God has made for me. I will not settle for less. Not for the shallow end. Not for the little leagues or the minor leagues. I'm going all in. David told Saul, the same God that helped me take a bear and a lion, is going to deliver you into my hands. And David didn't stop running towards the giant until he was holding his severed head up in his hands, saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the past victories were not because of you, the ones you've experienced, but they were because the Lord was with you. And those past victories have prepared you to be right where You are now. And what you're facing today is different than what you faced in the past. But it's the same God who gave you the victory then. And he's the same God who's going to give you the victory now. A monster is a monster is a monster. Once you've seen one, you've seen them all. But our God is greater than them all. And some of you, I just want to encourage you. Some of you, have you've actually stepped up. You've tried to enter into some of the promises God has for you, but you've gotten a glimpse of these new enemies, and you've kind of retreated, kind of backed off. You thought, wait a minute, but I want to remind you, a monster is a monster is a monster. David didn't retreat. He ran, and he didn't stop. You were well able to take every promise that God has made to you, do not quit, do not turn around, do not be intimidated. The same God who gave you victory back there will give you victory today. I love what Jesus told his followers. He said in Luke 10:19, "Behold, I give you power, authority to tread on snakes, Scorpions, anything deadly, nothing shall by any means harm you. Snakes, I hate snakes. That's why I have a cat, because I live in a swamp with swamp things, monsters. But I have a cat who's a monster to the swamp things. And when the swamp things come out, oh, Hemingway goes to work and does his thing and brings me the sacrifice. Look, master, what I have brought to you, a serpent. Oh, master, feed me, pet me. Oh, not now. I think I'm going to scurry away over here. I'll be back when I feel like it. Bless you, Master. And so Hemingway kills the serpents, but I've got serpents, snakes. Hate snakes. But a snake is different than a scorpion. A snake strikes with his mouth. Serpent, serpent strikes with his tail. I don't know why I did that one. <laughs> Heads or tails, you win, Right? Different, sma- you stomp on a, a scorpion. You're careful if you stomp on a, a snake. You want to get it just right. Uh, and, but then he, he, not only, he doesn't stop there. He says, anything deadly. There's different kinds. Of de- the Lord was letting them know, listen, snakes, scorp, anything. Anything. Comprehensive. Anything. Nothing shall by any means harm you comprehensive you're a child of the most high God he was telling them you're going to be filled with my Holy Spirit the devil's going to do everything he can to keep you from believing that the word can come to pass in your life but he said hear me hear me I give you authority to tread on them it it, you can walk on them I want to remind somebody again today. The devil is a liar. You can have everything God's called, given to you, promised to you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. He is your provider. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. Don't be content to just come out of Egypt. Don't be content. Let me say this, to having just turned to Jesus, been water baptized, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't stop until you get that, but don't stop there. God's got a calling on your life. There is so much more, and there are monsters in that calling that are going to try to intimidate you, but they're just as powerless as the ones you faced to get where you are today. Amen? God is still on the throne. Stand with me right now. Say, a monster? is a monster, is a monster. This is a year of restoration and renewal. Some of you, you know that God's called you to more than what you're experiencing now. And you've even stepped up a little bit, but you've been faced down with giants and serpents and scorpions and monsters you've never experienced before. And they've intimidated you. They were new. You didn't expect that. Where did this come from? And you've backed off a little bit. You've questioned yourself. You've rethought it. Just like the children of Israel. We're like grasshoppers. We can't do it. We can't do it. Listen, you were untrained. You were unarmed. And the Lord brought you out, got you some swords, gave you an anointing, and you took down the Amalekites. You took down that kingdom of Sion. You, you, you took down Og of Bashan. You took them down. You couldn't do it then. You can't do it now. But you can if I'm with you. You're going to fail. He didn't even mention the giants. The giants didn't matter, Bridget. The, the giants didn't matter. They didn't matter, didn't even mention them, but they had already faced, Og. Oh, they could face all these as well, Same God, I'm giving you the land, you just march in there and take it. I'll do it in unorthodox ways, I'll have you marching around the walls of Jericho, I'll have the sun stand still, I'm going to do amazing things, I don't have to explain it all to you, you just march and take the promises that I have promised to you, you can do it. See, a monster is a monster is a monster. There's no difference. Same God. Same God. It doesn't matter what you're facing in the opposition. Can you close your eyes with me right now? Father, I know what you put on my heart. I know there's a challenge in the spirit going out right now. It's beyond the words that I'm speaking. It's a spiritual word. It's an impacting word. Lord, it's touching. It's driving home deep into somebody's spirit today. That there are promises that you've made to them, and they face opposition, but greater is he that is in them. They're being reminded of that today. God, you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. God, there's a calling. There's a destiny. There are gifts. There's a new walk. There's a deep end of the pool. There's a major league you're calling somebody into right now. You're like the manager making a phone call. It's time for you to step it up, son. It's time for you to step it up, daughter. I've got some things for you to do. Plug in. Get connected. Unite with this house. I've got a vision for your life. I've got a calling for your life. I want to bring some restoration and renewal. I want to welcome more and more and more and more people home. You need to roll up your sleeves. I've got something greater for you. A monster is a monster is a monster. I can take care of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.